In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable stars. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as The Binary Saga. Log entry, Vela 61, Vela Rotat 2685, cycle 12 of the 9th Annual. Hey Siege, it was really great to hear from you, and I'm glad you're having such a great time right now. I wish I could say the same. I'm sure you know that the stream to recovery is seldom an easy one. Still, it was very nice to have the flood of messages and get well videos come in from everyone. How many people did you tell about this? Just in the last few cycles, my incoming transmission logs have been insane. I sent some small notes of thanks to some of the others, but it's a lot. So if you could just let them know that I'm glad to have heard from them and what they sent really moved me. Everyone's encouragement is really what is helping to keep me going these past few annuals. Everyone wants me to succeed. I have to succeed, have to succeed. Can't feel like he did. Also, why does Mari keep asking me to record various things that Javi says? As much as I would have enjoyed having you visit while I was recovering, I doubt it would have been as much fun as what you were actually doing. From what I heard while I was out, most of the people who came to visit were turned away due to the security in the hospital ward. Only two people were allowed in, and that's Mom and Javi. At least, until I was awake. After that, there was a steady stream of visitors, but... They all had to go through a huge clearance process due to my work with the TPP and mom's status. I could only imagine what they would have to do to have someone from Hymovina actually make it through all of the contamination checkpoints. If you thought you had to do a lot of bureaucratic paperwork to do with the Alithians, it's nothing compared to hospital security. I really do appreciate the sentiment though, and I imagine I would feel the same if our roles were reversed. <laughs> I'm even experimenting in different craft just to try and get to see you sooner. And we all see how that worked out. The hardest part of what I'm doing now is just getting through this recovery. I spend most of the cycle in physical therapy trying to rebuild muscle that has not been used in a while, while I was out, or had been damaged in the crash. It's a mix of submersion and strength training to relearn everything I was able to do before. If I sound tired, it's because I am. All the time. Some days it's frustrating because something as simple as walking across the room has become so much effort that I get angry at myself. It's walking. I've been doing it for most of my life. Why is it so hard now? The doctors say I'm well above my projected results for how long it's been, but I usually end up yelling at them. It's been two rotats now. And don't they have anything that could speed this up and get me back to where I was? Mostly they just go silent and stare at me while I let my anger out and then they calmly tell me that I'm doing really well. I may never be exactly how I was before. They don't know. Only I know. I have to do it. I have to. Ugh. What do they know? I got there before. I can get there again. I have to. It's the only way that I'll be able to fly again, and it's the only way that I can make it. It's not what's important right now. What's important is focusing on my goals. Get better, get better, get flying, get flying. 
get a craft that's capable of making long-distance flights. The other big step I'm taking is through the process of mental therapy. I think it's probably evident how well that's going. When I'm not working on the physical aspects of my recovery, they have me talking with about a hundred different doctors about my mental state. Okay, maybe it's not a hundred, but it's been a lot. Usually I talk about my feelings, about the crash, and what happened, and how I'm doing on my journey to recovery, and then I get frustrated and start yelling at them. The next thing I know, I've got a new doctor assigned to me, and I have to start all over again. Sometimes I wonder if there is just a pool of different people in the back offices that are all taking bets to see which doctors will be able to help me, and then how long it will take before I throw something at one of them. They don't understand what drives me. I need to be better. I need to fly. I need to fly. I need to make the flight. Thankfully, when I'm not dealing with all of the above-mentioned therapy, I am back at work, but in a limited capacity. Mostly, I've been working in the labs with some of the developers to help build a better model of the synthetic intelligence system that is loaded into all of our craft now. The VSA has started to use SIs to help cover functions and ship management that needs to be done quickly. So much of what we do takes a lot of time to input commands and react to certain conditions, and the SI can handle that a lot faster. What the SI can't really do yet is properly analyze every situation and make the splash judgment calls that a good pilot has to make. So I've been working with the teams to help refine those processes and build a better SI. I suppose in a way, I'm helping to train the computers here do what I do for a living, but everything I've seen and experienced so far leads me to believe that any sort of SI replacement pilot is very far off from becoming a reality. The SI can look at the optimal conditions for flight and follow its pre-programmed responses, but when it comes to expecting and reacting to the unknown, well, that's where having a Velen at the controls come into play. Which is why I'm here working with them, as I have some experience as of late working with the unknown. I have to expect anything out there. Anything can happen. I have to be ready. Hey, I've got some good news that you may or may not have heard about through your political contacts. Vela has launched its first probe to Haimavina. I got to work a little bit with the crew that was assembling the craft and plotting the flight path for it. This will be the first fully functional mission for the new MagSail engine that I had talked about before. Could have made it if I was testing that engine. Everyone here is really excited about the prospect of actually sending something your way. Here's what I know of the plan. The new MagSail will be able to engage and maintain a constant thrust equivalent to the gravitational forces here on Vela. This will be to help simulate when we decide to actually use the engine for flights with Velens on board. They say they could actually go faster, but it would be unsafe for passengers due to the constant sustained thrust that would crush anyone on the craft. Because of this, the projected time for flight would be just around two and a half rotats, which means that if I did my math right, it should arrive by the time I'm sending my next transmission from here. So you can expect me to ask about it next time. The craft will enter Haimovina high orbit and stay there for a few cycles while it drops off its payload for retrieval. The time in orbit is to allow an ECAL package to be delivered back to the craft for a return trip. They even had a contest here to see what to include. There were talks of books and films, but they were all discarded as most of that could be sent digitally. 
From the scientific community, they're sending air, water, and soil samples from here for your scientists to experiment on. The biolabs included some biological samples, but there are concerns about the craft being protected enough so that the samples are not contaminated. The capsule will be sealed and temperature controlled, but won't have any breathable air. Air is important. Need to breathe. Need to breathe. Need to breathe. Need to breathe. <sighs> A few of the younger classes have created some small trinkets to represent our society. And of course, someone decided to include a bottle of Oakle, which is a very strong drink. I don't suggest trying it. It will burn your scales off. You should really pay attention when that probe arrives, as there may be something of interest to you in it. Being the son of a senior council member and employee of the VSA can have its privileges too. <sighs> You'll be happy to know that the Yana is back, and she is even better than new. I had them do some modifications while she was in the shop to expand the living area and include a number of sensors to help detect any potential issues and prevent what happened before. Don't want another accident with a rock to damage her again. Ever again, ever again. To be better, be better, be better. Part of my recovery was actually to take a little bit of a vacation after that first rotat of therapy. I was still pretty weak, but I could manage a simple trip, so I sailed to Laar. You have no idea how many people were against that idea. So I uh, didn't tell them until I had already left. I'm not sure how up-to-date you are on villain geography, but CNR is on the northern coast of Sanoth, and Laar is on the eastern coast of Senoth. So I had to sail for about a full anul. I went during the warmer season to avoid storms, and I plotted a path that would allow me to stop off at some of the smaller islands along the way. For the most part, it was just me and the ocean, though. No doctors, no therapists, just me and Yana. It was the best part of my recovery because I could just focus on the important things in my life. I'm including some videos of the trip for you. You can hear for yourself how peaceful the waves are and see the night sky from my perspective. With no cities around, the stars are so clear. To say that mom was upset about the trip would be like saying your dad is cool with you nightclubbing and meeting strangers. I think I could hear her yelling at me all the way from home when I contacted her after I reached Laar. She had a flight booked for me to come back and even chartered a ferry to bring the Yana back without me. It may have been a little bit of abuse of power, but she got the reef guard to put my skiff in lockup and I wasn't allowed back on board before I left. I tried to explain that as a grown adult, I could do what I wanted, what I needed, to help me recover, but... She went all mom on me and nearly had me confined to the hospital again when I returned. I think she's just stressed out because the council has been dealing with a lot of issues concerning relations with Hymovina and the Alithians. I guess she already knew a lot more about what's going on there through Vera, and there are a lot of questions being raised about Hymovina now having access to interstellar travel and why there have been no attempts to contact or work with the council and Vela. She said that any time the questions are brought up with the same coma, the responses are vague, and since it takes so long to send messages back, they get a different vague and confusing response each time. It just takes too long, too long, too long, too long to travel, too long to talk. Imagine if you were trying to do all of your trade and economic negotiations with a two-rotat delay. So, 
Yeah, she may be working through her own frustrations. Normally she would talk through things with Helgi, but I guess he's been gone and I was kind of in limbo for a while too. <sighs> Maybe I should keep that in mind next time I talk to her. So, how is it working with your dad? Honestly, he seems like a nice enough guy, and I think he and I would get along great, even if he is a doctor. I don't exactly have the best track record with doctors right now. I think he and I would have a lot in common. Both of us are pretty protective of you. Don't be too hard on him. He's just trying to keep you safe. You're trying to keep you safe. Yes, I realized it's like the rain calling the puddle wet, given what I'm going through with my mom. I know her intentions are good, just like your dad. <sighs> okay, I've been avoiding this for a while, but I guess I should mention it. I'm happy for you that you found someone like Andy. It sounds like he really does care about you and makes you happy. It's just hard to hear about how he's there and able to give you all the things that you're looking for. And I'm just here. Broken. I'm sorry I distrusted him, and I really do wish you two the best. From how you described his visit resulted in some amazing trips around the planet, and he's able to give you all of the things you deserve. I'm sorry I doubted you. I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. May the waves guide us. Jason. 30. Log entry. Hymavina 62. 2365. Age of Enlightenment. Hey Jason. I'm currently outside on my rooftop deck recording this with my hand terminal. I'm going to try to video message this time because, well, you have to see this. Hold on while I turn my camera around. And look, it's happening at sunset. It's beautiful, huh? Now, if you look over there where I'm pointing, you can see the Thursday night race is just completing. See the spinnakers? Now, let me just make sure you can see me, and I'm going to set the camera right here and wait for you to grab a drink. <laughs> Cheers! Hey! Now, I know it'll have been a year before you get this, so I'm going to assume that you are feeling better. But Jason, you've been through so much, and it's okay to have good days and bad days. I probably should have told you this last time, but I didn't understand until now how much you were going through mentally. Jason, the crash was not your fault. In fact, if you hadn't been so good as you are, I doubt we'd even get to talk anymore. And that's not something I want to think about, but I know it comes with your job. You're always way too hard on yourself. And if you're like me, you probably feel like you're in your dad's shadow. But you're not. And you don't have to prove that to anyone. So come on, what did we say when we were kids? Frost them. We got this. Well, babe, same rules apply. Frost them. You got this. Let's drink to that. <laughs> well, I just finished watching your videos from your trip. They're amazing. Thank you. The Yana looks great, too. I don't think I've seen so many stars ever. I live in urban areas, and I haven't traveled anywhere that doesn't have light pollution. And I've always wanted to go on a sailing trip, though. Just heading off into the horizon. Your video made me feel like I was right there with you. Hey, hold on. You have to see this. It's Luda, just setting into the ocean, and you can see reindeer in the background. And if I can get this stupid thing to focus... Okay. There's Von La. 
And over here, way over there, is Alithia. It's pretty cool, right? I'm not surprised to learn that your mom is having trouble getting clear answers from the Samcoma. In hindsight, we probably would have noticed the Alithian's real focus had we not been so intent on securing a favorable trade deal. They rolled on the economics, which benefited them as well, to lessen the chill of the political terms they handed to us. Politically, the goal was never anything but fully integrating the Haimavina into the Alithian state, and adjusting our government to conform to theirs. Functionally, this means that our Samcoma was dissolved, and the sitting representatives became members of the Alithian Samcoma. Well, I guess it's just the Samcoma now. Except, they now represent Haimavina. Andy had predicted this would happen, and while we watched the proceedings from the sofa, he could not help but gloating and calling himself a genius. I probably should have taken his political science background a little more seriously, but don't tell him I said that, or I'll have to endure another round of the Andy gloat dance. <laughs> I really should go back to dating dumb guys. <laughs> the new Samcoma only has one chamber, which meant that the matriarchs were effectively dissolved and stripped of their political power almost overnight. I expected more resistance to this change than appeared, but the old families retained their titles and status, so I don't think anyone really minded. Socially speaking, nothing really changes, because there will still be galas, and I will still be titled Grand Matriarch one day. Did you see my eyes roll? Because they did. <laughs> it's no surprise to learn that Vera was elected as the Haimavinan senior minister. Our whole family was in the Samcoma viewing gallery for the vote, and it was pretty incredible to be there when history was made. Vera's speech was a masterful mix of pride, acceptance, and hope, and is already being hailed as one of the greatest speeches in recent memory. I was so proud to be her granddaughter. Even though Hopnina will remain our capital, Vera insisted that the Prime Minister Mansion in Stromsheim be her residence while she is senior minister. As you can imagine, the Luleans were thrilled. The Alithians have much stricter rules regarding conflict of interest, and Vera was required to abnegate her role as head of House Jorgensen. She and Mikkel did not seem surprised by this, and I am positive they planned it, because my dad is now head of House Jorgensen, and there's new scion, me. <laughs> we took over just in time to probably make the largest single deal in House history, and to say that we were busy would be the understatement of the millennium. Mining is a core piece of House Jorgensen's business, and it turns out that we've been literally throwing away a fortune. The ancients heavily exploited deposits of metals and minerals, and as a consequence, we have to mine deeper and extract more effectively to meet their demand. Part of that extraction process produced a mineral that up until recently we dumped in the tailings pile. Anyway, Andy nearly fell out of his chair when he learned that we throw away more of this stuff in a month than they can produce in a year. It turns out it's a key raw material for a lot of Alithian tech, and there's a huge demand for it. So we're not throwing it away anymore. <laughs> we gave every house employee a considerable raise and funded a bunch of projects that we've been waiting on grants to complete. Employee morale is sky high, and my dad looks like a business genius. And I got a raise with an extra comma. Not bad. Helgi and Juniper stayed for a year while she was on home leave between assignments, and it was great to have them back and hear about their life in Alondra. Planetary Defense merged with the Alithian Fleet Command, and Juniper was promoted to the rank of Admiral of the Fourth Fleet, which has a responsibility in the Yaluda system half of the time. She says she misses flying and was horrified when she heard about your accident. 
You should be receiving a message from her soon, if you haven't gotten it already. She wanted to talk to you, pilot to pilot. But brace yourself. Juniper is good at pep talks, and you will be convinced that you can walk across cracked ice when she's finished. Helgi said he sent the longest message to your mom, which apparently includes so many pictures and attachments, he said it will probably take an annual for her to download. So, you will get to see Alondra too. Juniper and Helgi live on the beach in West Brengard now, and say that Alondra is like a futuristic Heimavina. No flying vehicles or anything like that, just more efficient and pristine. They said it's hard to explain. Alondra never experienced anything like the Sidisanda, and apparently you can just breathe without worrying that if it's your last breath. And you don't have that constant sense that you're living on a graveyard. Juniper says that the best part is that no one cares that she's a Fialstad. And they both love how positive the Alithians are, and said that it's hard to be suspicious when you have a real future. Can you even imagine? They brought me a really neat article in a genealogy group tracing Alithians back to their roots in Haimavina. They haven't had much success, but when a link is found, the reunions are very beautiful and emotional. Helgi and Juniper actually met the Alithian New Sparks and said they're lovely people. Not surprisingly, there is a couple of engineers, a fleet officer, and an art teacher. Soren New Spark, the fleet officer, was on the advance team for the first summit and was the first Alithian Helgi met. Apparently, he calls Helgi cousin and always picks him up in a huge hug every time he sees him. <laughs> Interestingly, I learned that our original matriarch, Ali New Spark, who was the engineer who worked on modernizing Hopnina's power grid. Apparently, she and her husband loved Hopnina, which was just a little vacation town at the time, and intended on retiring there. When the Sidisanda hit, her twin sister was an engineer on Bradlet Station and escaped on the last official ship, Trinity Edge. Pretty crazy, right? Helgi has been quite busy as well, and recently got promoted to Senior Vice President of Engineering at Verkstad Brengard. He collaborated with Andy's dad, Reese, on an improved interstellar engine. Juniper told me this is the first time Helgi has worked with someone smarter than he is, and they spend hours in Reese's lab along with Andy's younger brothers, Oren and Lucas, both whom are astronautical engineers. Juniper described the twins as Kai, except louder, smarter, and more obnoxious, <laughs> if that's even possible. She calls them the science bros and has come home to all of them drinking in the great room and loudly debating the issues of the universe. Berksaw did a big product announcement to show the rollout of the new engine. The event included shareholders, employees, potential investors, and the press. It was kind of like a concert for nerds. Iria <laughs> got on stage and warmed the crowd up with the history of Berkstad and how far they had come. Next up was Terlu, who was hilarious and can make anything sound cool. And then the project lead which in this case was Helgi. He and Teralu walked the crowd through the explanation of interstellar propulsion, including something known as the drop. I have never experienced this myself, but it sounds unpleasant. Essentially, as the interstellar drive engages, there's a noticeable perception of falling, not weightlessness like when you're in zero-g, but it lasts about a minute as the drives come back up and then the gravity returns, but at a different angle. <laughs> Juniper described it as falling down a hole, and then suddenly being stuck to the side. Anyway, the highlight of the event was a live feed from the command deck of the Verkstad test ship. I haven't actually done this myself, so it's hard to explain. 
but apparently everyone is seated prior to the interstellar drive initiation. But the crew on the Verkstad ship were standing. The drive kicked on, and they just kept doing their jobs until the feed cut out. There were actual gasps in the audience, followed by cheerful shouting and applause. I will attach a recording of the event for you. Andy is also back. He was gone for about five months, and this time he doesn't have a return flight scheduled. He's been telling people that he was here to open the Hausfenstrasse satellite office and coordinate projects, monitor the Samcoma transition, and negotiate a contract with Verkstad. The Verkstad contract was completed at a dinner meeting Andy set up with Iria, Helgi, and Teralu, and everything was signed before the appetizers arrived. <laughs> he finally confessed that these were convenient excuses to be where I was. The first morning he was back, he slept late, feeling the effects of interstellar travel. I happily watched him sleep, and he didn't even stir when I brushed his hair and touched his back. As I did, I noticed something I hadn't noticed before. Scars, like thin cut marks. I pulled the covers back, and I saw his whole back was covered in these very old, faint scars that you wouldn't see if you weren't looking for them. There was also a pretty awful one. Later that morning, over cafe in the kitchen, I asked him about it. And I could tell this was something he struggled to talk about, because he let out a deep breath and looked at the ground, and told me the worst thing I have ever heard. When he was five years old, Andy was kidnapped by one of his grandmother's political rivals as a message that they could get to her in the worst way possible, through her family. Andy explained that most of the scars were whip marks, and that awful one was a crude brand of the letter V. He told me his kidnappers tortured him on camera, so his grandmother and his parents were forced to watch. I'm sure it was even worse than it sounded, and I am still horrified. What kind of monster tortures a little kid? When I asked him what happened to them, he said that they were caught, but he didn't elaborate, and I wasn't going to press him. He apparently still has anxiety attacks and night terrors. I just hugged him. And all I could think about were the times that my dad yelled at me for not taking my security seriously. Telling me seemed to help him relax, and he said that while it wasn't a secret on Alondra, he wanted me to hear it from him, not in the press or from someone else. People treated him with pity afterwards, and kids teased him, which is why his parents got him into sailing. It gave him a sense of control, and something that was just for him, controlling the sails, the speed, and being out on the water where he could see everything around him. And if anyone understands that, it's you. He told me that getting his family hoof lore brought a lot of trauma back. Like Hymavenans, Alithians also get their family rooms at age 10. Raythea wanted to wait, but Alora said it was tradition and he had to endure it. He gave a gallows laugh and said that he got his academic runes under sedation and won't be getting any more after that. Andy was eager to change the subject, and said that we should tour his new flat in daylight. He excitedly told me that he had it professionally designed and furnished by the same team that renovated the Jorgensen estate, because all he wanted to do was move in when he arrived. And I have to admit, they did an even better job on the flat than the estate. The layout is similar to Iria and Lars's place, except it's two stories, and has several more bedrooms, and an amazing rooftop terrace, with a lap pool and a spa as you can see from this video. (laughs) When we got to the roof, 
He handed me a small box that he had in his pocket. It was a key to his new flat. And he said, Well, technically, I can't own property on this planet, so this is actually a gift for you. For me. But I was kind of hoping maybe it could be a gift for us. What do you think? I was speechless. Again. (laughs) And then, in typical nervous Andy fashion, he started talking faster about how he would pay all the taxes or we could find some other place because he was worried that he had made a big decision without asking me. And I told him to shut up and that I loved it. And I do love it. Learning to share the same space with Andy has become a test in patience and love. On the plus side, he cooks. He's actually pretty good at it. We can thank Raythea. (laughs) Because he cooks, I do the dishes. But I swear, when he cooks, he uses every pot, plate, and utensil we own. (laughs) It's fine. I don't care. What I do care about is how generally messy he is. Cups on the counter. Clothes on the floor. Things like that. And yes, I grew up privileged, but Kai and I were still responsible for cleaning our own spaces, including the kids' great room and any mess we really made. Anduin was spoiled (laughs) and didn't have such rules. We can blame Raythea. (laughs) I recently slipped on one of his wet towels in the bathroom, and I still have a bruise on my upper thigh that hasn't completely healed, and it hurts when I walk. I've reminded him several times that it's just us, and no family, and no staff in this huge flat, and we're getting there. But I have learned to pick my battles. (laughs) On the other hand, things have been going really well since he's returned. And now that a relationship is public, Andy loves that he can be openly affectionate. We recently attended a formal event hosted by the Lithian Embassy, and Andy pulled me to him and dipped me into a kiss in the receiving line. The photographers went wild. And don't get me wrong, I love it. I'm just still getting used to it. <laughs> wow. Tonight's almost perfect. Okay, here's the marina at night. It's pretty, huh? <laughs> We're heading back to Stromsheim tomorrow for a few weeks for work. And we have to host Family Meal, which isn't going to be as good as Raytheas. But as long as the Alondrin Vin is flowing, the staff says they don't mind if I order takeout. <laughs> Raythea, you're killing me! (laughs) Thinking about Raythea makes me think about your mom. And they can't help being moms no matter what. And they usually mean well. Maybe your mom just didn't understand what you needed when you were recovering and was just worried about you. Raythea still hovers over Andy, trying to protect him. He said she's gotten a lot better than she was when he was a kid. But I think they always try to protect us. Even my mom has her own unique way to show me that she's there for me. A few weeks ago, my mom's band played their last show here before going on tour in the Lithian system. When they get back, they're planning on taking an extended and much needed hiatus. My mom is planning to work on a solo album. Anyway, they sold out the entire 80,000 seat stadium and it was a perfect night for an outdoor concert the sky was clear and you could see Von La and Alithia sparkling down much like tonight I took Andy backstage and he got to see my mom as Frida Neufspark lead singer to Sadis I think he was completely floored because she doesn't look like my mom 
She braids in color flutter ropes and wears wicked traditional makeup, feathers, a bone crown, and lots of runes all over. And she looks fierce. And that night, she was in tight black pants and a low-cut sleeveless top, and these awesome boots she's never going to let me borrow. <laughs> I still think she looks magical, and I love seeing her alter ego. The rest of the band was excited to meet Andy, and he drank in all the attention when I introduced him as my live-in boyfriend. <laughs> and my mom hugged Andy and said, If CJ didn't want him, I was going to trade up. And then Andy put his arm around my mom and said, Hmm. Well, let me rethink this, and kissed her on the cheek. And we all howled with laughter. <laughs> we went to find a place backstage to watch the show, so my mom and her bandmates could do their pre-show rituals. Truth be told, backstage is generally a terrible place to listen to a concert, because the speakers are facing the wrong way, and you can't see the effects. However, it's a great place to watch the audience reaction and see the chaos that goes behind the scenes of a show. When it was time for Sadis to take the stage, the lights dimmed, and the crowd went wild. And the lights came back on with my mom at center stage. They started their set and the hometown audience did not disappoint. The fans were so loud and showed up with Yothian flags and flags of the Noose Park banner and ones with our runes and signs for my mom. Watching Andy experience it was like seeing her perform for the first time again. The set list was a mix of their old stuff and music from their new album. My mom is fearless when she's on stage, and seeing how the crowd responds to her songs is incredible. She will sing to someone in the front row, and touch hands, and sit on the edge of the stage, and she's not afraid to talk to the audience, and they completely eat it up. And I knew it was coming before it happened. My mom told the crowd that I was there, but didn't mention Andy, which I was grateful for. Embarrassing me is one thing, but a sadist crowd chanting your name may be too much for anyone. She told the crowd that she just wrote a new song for me, and looked at me with a wink, and I blew her a kiss. The music was something my mom likes to call her power ballads, but it was something in the words that touched me, and I think may speak to you too. She started to sing. I know it keeps you wide awake, and I know it's sometimes hard to concentrate, but you can cry out. But this is what I know. It's okay to let go and breathe and breathe and my mom continued through the chorus and the crowd cheered and then she sang I know you have mountains to climb and I will be there if you fall and I just smiled at her and she fell back into the chorus <laughs> moms can really be the best and then she lifted her arms over her head and brought them to her heart and sang you will always have my heart even if everything falls apart the crowd erupted, and I could feel tears falling. As my mom sang to the crowd, she brought her hands back down to the microphone, and she looked at me with a huge smile and sang, And breathe. And the crowd cheered, and I smiled at my mom, and she signed to me, I love you, baby girl. And I signed back to her, I love you, mom. <laughs> it's a good song, right? <laughs> Moms. <laughs> I sent you a copy of the recording. Well, oh, this fin has made me talk endlessly. <laughs> but I'm excited to hear what's in the probe. And it's sailing over here right now. Wait, did you send me something? I will have to talk to Vera and see if I can send you something too. 
Actually, I have a great idea. Vinder Talinda, CJ, age 31. Log entry, Vela 62, Vela Rotat 2687, cycle 5 of the 8th Annual. Hey, hey, Siege. Since you sent me a video message, I thought I would reply in kind with my own. I don't have a fancy balcony or view over the water. Sorry if the background behind me is a little less impressive. It's the life support information panel on the craft that I'm on. Look, you can see the current settings for humidity and breathable air for the passengers. Oh, and this panel here, it shows the status of each of the modules of the craft and if they are occupied by crew members, or, or not. It's a fascinating system that will actually close off compartments and reroute the atmosphere if the area isn't in use. It saves us having to provide resources to the whole craft if parts of it aren't being occupied. I know, super exciting. The part you may want to see is this. One second, let me turn the camera around. There, you see that? That's Von La rising, but that's not Vela. That's Feynora, which if my calculations are correct, let's see, orbital path of, and Von La is here. So about 38 light subtypes closer to you than Vela is right now. See, I'm getting closer. Let me switch this camera back and there. Look, I know that my last message may have been a bit troubling. Really, I'm okay. I have these episodes now and then. The doctors say it has to do with the stress that my system went through during the crash and the trauma I suffered. Depending on the situation, something can trigger it or I just have some bad days. I had to go through a lot of tests and simulations to get cleared for duty again and part of that is being able to identify when I'm having an episode and my mechanisms for coping or recovering from one. From what you sent, it sounds like Andy may be dealing with something similar. I wouldn't wish this sort of thing on anyone, so I really do feel for him and what he's going through. <sighs> you can tell him that if he would like someone to talk to, I, I, I would like that. <coughs> Oh, um, let me show you up to the cockpit. You know, this whole module rotates as the magsail deploys. The room here is all part of a sphere in the ship that will level itself out based on the directional thrust of the drive. It feels a little strange once it engages, but after a while, it just feels normal. These chairs and panels have been on all of the craft so far, but these two viewports, they're new to this model. As you can probably tell by now, I'm not at home. But on my fourth test run of the MagSail craft that will be used for runs to and from the Fenora base camp. Each one of these runs takes about one annual each way, so they have started outfitting the crafts with modules needed for the base camp and testing out new systems with each run. Once the course is set into the system, the synthetic intelligence handles a lot of the micro adjustments along the way but they still need a good pilot to handle the orbital entry and exit, and to troubleshoot any plotting complications. What that really means is that I have a lot of spare time for training sims, paperwork, and to work on my ever-expanding list of hobbies. Look, 
here's a small paper siki I made. Needless to say, there are times when this trip is very boring. It's become so routine now. Nothing compared to the first time I ever came up here. My first time in space was really kind of amazing. I forgot that I hadn't actually told you about it. It was still early in my start at the TPP, and I was on what we call a buddy run. It's where we're sitting as co-pilot with one of the more experienced guys. They do it to get the ooh-ah factor out of the way for all new pilots. It's a simple run up to a high elliptical orbit. You do a few loops around the planet and then come back. Just like all of the new pilots, I was glued to the viewport the whole time. I remember staring out at the stars, tracing my finger across each one, drawing a line to where Eluda was. Then I closed my eyes and just sat there for a moment, willing you to look back at me. I was very glad that I was in the back seat of the craft so that the lead pilot couldn't see my face. Since that moment, every other run I was on was filled with so much work that I barely had time to admire the views anymore. Then, of course, there was the CS1 mission, and we know what happened there. I think that's why I never got the chance to tell you about it. Trust me, you were there for my first time. You always are. Ooh, look, if we look out this one, you can actually see the ESA-2 just barely. While I haven't been on one of them yet, they are still pretty advanced for when they were built. This panel over here shows our current orbital path in comparison to the rest of the craft around the planet. Huh. Or it would, normally. Ah, there it goes. I guess I'll have to log that down for the text to fix back home. So, they are still running those fusion crafts in a rotating orbit around Vela and Fenora, and the base there is now the size of a small village. The SO-1 and 2 have been in operation for so many Rotats now, even with the additions and modifications to them over their operation, they are old and ready to be swapped out. Their missions take about 18 annuals each. This new MagSail craft can do that in about an annual, so a number of them are being built out to rotate in and replace the ESA crafts. Here's the crazy thing about it. I think I may have found a way to live longer, CJ. There's a very strange effect that happens aboard the craft. For everyone else, the time that the craft takes is 35 cycles. But for me, it only takes about 28 cycles. Time dilation is weird like that. Since this is my fourth mission, that means that I am now 28 cycles younger than someone else that would have been given forth on the same cycle as me. They say that if one were to make the trip to Haimavina, it would only feel like just over one rotat to reach there, even though it takes two. So I guess that if I keep this up, you will eventually be older than me. How do you feel about younger guys? The old Essa crafts take about 18 annuals for a one-way trip, so they are working on a few of these new crafts to replace them. Back this way leads to the galley and the crew quarters. It's not as fancy as the kitchens you have back at the estate. Actually, it's not fancy at all. Most of the food is pre-prepared and packaged up so that we can just eat and go. I'm sure Kai can tell you about what it's like to eat space food. But they've started to add some preparation areas, so eventually we'll be able to prepare meals while out on trips. Oh, oh, I know where I should take you next. Hang on. We actually did the first test run of this type of craft shortly after I sent you my um, last transmission. It was my first real flight back on duty, and even though I was sitting in as an auxiliary pilot, it was nice to get back up and swimming again. 
They paired me up with Javi and Joru, so it felt like I was back at the academy. It was great to have our old crew together. The downside to that mission is that it gave Javi lots of time to talk to me about some of the things I sent you. We had a few really good chats about what I said and how I've been acting lately. It was actually pretty funny to eventually get that message from Juniper since it had a lot of the same advice. I sent her a reply as well, but feel free to just tell her I said thanks. Both her and Javi have helped a lot. When I showed Mom how Juniper was now the commander of a fleet back there, she would just nudge me and say, See what you could accomplish if you could just put yourself out there? Needless to say, you are not the only one rolling your eyes at parental aspirations for their children. Speaking of which, Mom was overwhelmingly happy to hear from Helgi. I don't see her flood very often, but she was just so happy to have her friend back that she just couldn't stop. I was at home when his message came in. We were having something similar to your Sunadog brunch. If it's good for the Newfparks, it could be good for us. And Javi and I were there with her. Her terminal chimed, and at first she thought it was just a message from Vera. Then another one came through with a very distinctive ring. She actually set up her terminal a long time ago to play some specific song of Frida's whenever she got a message from Helgi. When she heard that go off, she just stopped and stared at her food. I think she was afraid to check it at first. I walked with her over to the terminal, and we checked it together, and she nearly fell over. Javi and I decided that she needed some time, so we headed out to the marina to let her read. When I got back to her place, I opened the door to hear some of Frida's music playing loudly throughout the whole house, and I could hear her dancing around. CJ, she hasn't danced in the house since I graduated from my classes. I don't know if you or Vera had anything to do with that, but thank you. Ever since she got it, she's been in an incredibly happy mood. She even called and got the Yana out of impound for me. Ah, here we are. This is one of my favorite places on the craft. It's the garden. Well, it's a bay that's dedicated to be the garden, at least. You can see a few of the plants starting to sprout. Come on, little guys. You can do it. The whole room is actually based on some of the greenhouses that were built on Vela. Not many people know about how Papa Gisto and Iria helped to make them down there but I like to think that this is a part of that legacy. So, in a way, I'm kind of connected to it. The air in here is a lot more humid than the rest of the craft, so it feels so much more like home. There will be some vines growing along that wall there, and eventually some trees here in the center. All of them are edible or fruit-bearing, so eventually crews will be able to grow and make their own food while on the journeys. After I saw Mom last, I've been doing these test runs to Feynora and back, so I haven't been around much, but we are still getting a steady stream of news from back home. Your talk of how the Samcoma is getting reformed sounds familiar to what's going on with the Council. They have started to move away from the concept of the sects and focus more on ideals and regions. It's crazy to see something like this after all of the time of the sects bickering back and forth. Most of the Council has been run from members of the Tumasur and La'a Masur lately, anyways. And their core ideals have been aligning much more often as of late. I doubt we will ever see a single person in charge of the entire planet here. And I'm sure that my mom would never want that sort of responsibility. She's happy to share her lead council roles with the others from different regions. 
The weirdest part of all of this restructuring is what's happening to the La'arva sect. Almost all of the representatives from that group have stepped down, and the whole following has shifted into some sort of... I don't even know how this word translates as it's rarely used, but a secta. It's kind of a fanatical following of overly devoted people. Well, since that wasn't strange enough, if you want to guess what they're being fanatical about, the ancients. The news reports about the Alithians have not been helping much because now these people think that the Alithians are some sort of Atua race and that they are coming to save all of Vela. Save us from what? I have no idea. You should ask Andy how he feels knowing that there are some weird people on Vela that think he's their savior. When you tell him that, make sure you take a photo of his expression. There have been petitions to the VSA to allow members to travel to locations where they are bringing back parts from the Crimson Sun, and a few of them are even trying to book passage on the craft flying out to Fenora because they want to see the crash site. Some people are just crazy. Oh, 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 look. Von La is up quite a bit now, and you can see Fenora a lot better. If you look, you can actually see the scar left by the Crimson Sun here. It's impressive how big it is. That's the other great thing about the greenhouse. The view is amazing. The engine revisions you described and the drop sounds terrifying. Engineers on Vela working on the CS-1, before it was destroyed, described something very similar and were trying to find a way around that when they stumbled on something. I don't have the mind or words to describe it, but it would change the transition away from what you're describing. Of course, that doesn't matter right now since the blasted thing doesn't work. I keep checking in with them to see the progress and when we may be able to test the next version. I have no plans to give up on testing a craft like that. It's like you said, frost them. I got this. I'm not giving up on that. If we take a left out of the garden here, it leads back to the crew quarters. You think Andy would be okay if I invited you back to my bunk? I think you're probably safe. There's barely enough room for me in there. It's just down this corridor. While it takes a while to get them, there have been a few vids that come across the airwaves of your mom's concerts, and pretty much everyone is impressed with them. I can only imagine what it's like to attend one in person. I think that both you and Andy consider yourselves lucky. From what I've heard, Frida has a track record of dragging school members out on stage to perform with her. Mom has a few photos of Helgi and Frida when they're out at home, and I've seen what she looks like out on stage, so I totally get what you mean. Early on, Javi even had a crush on her just from watching the vids. This was before he and I became reacquainted, and he nearly shed himself when he learned that I was talking with the daughter of Frida from Sadis. Here we are, home away from home. They let us decorate our own areas a little while we were on board, so you can see this bunk here is mine. I put up a few photos to remind me of things back home, Here's one of Mom when she was a kid with Papa Gisto out on the balcony of the radio labs in Laar. It's one of the few I have of them together. I kind of wish I had the chance to have met him. Ooh, and here's Javi and I when we got accepted to the TPP. And there's you in your black dress from your premiere ceremony. Alright, let me settle in here for a sip tide. This way I can see you while I'm talking. Frida's song was really touching in a way that I don't even think you understand. You see, when the crash happened, I had only one thing on my mind at the time. Getting to see you. 
That craft was supposed to change how we travel in space and would have made it possible to visit you. So when it failed and I came rushing back down to Vela, all I could think about was how I failed you. Something I never told anyone was that when the pod landed in the ocean and started sinking, I wasn't knocked out. I told the recovery team that I was and even repeated it to the doctors. I haven't told anyone, even Javi, what really happened. I was awake the whole time I was sinking. The breathable air in the pod was running out and eventually I was gasping for breath. I couldn't breathe, CJ. I could see the light from Von La shining through the water as I was sinking and it was slowly fading away and I was awake feeling the air leave as it did. The only thing I could think about was you. When I got your message about your time with Andy and how close you two were becoming, I felt that failure all over again. I couldn't breathe again. You have always been my Von La, and I saw you fading away from me. I know it's not fair to you or to Andy, so it's time I follow the words of your mom's song. It's okay to let go, and breathe, and breathe. You will always have my heart, even if everything falls apart. So with this, I will tell you that I am truly happy for you and Andy. I know that my past messages may not have conveyed that very much, if at all. Please let him know, and to you as well, that I'm sorry for that. If I can't be there for you, I'm glad to know that he can be. You deserve someone that can be there with you. It sounds like he's just the right person for that. From how you describe him, and you kind of describe him a lot, he sounds like a great guy, and he makes you happy. I know it takes you a while to really open up to someone, and hearing you talk about him, I know you love him. If you are happy with him, then I am as well. Or, happy for you, that is. So, um, that's the Grand Tour. Uh, there are some other parts of the craft, like the cargo areas and the exercise rooms, but they're sealed off right now because most of the crew are planet-side. The pilot always stays with the craft for the rotation, so I hope to be able to visit down there on one of the next trips. I'll be sure to take lots of photos. Oh, and before I forget, the projected path of the probe shows that it should have entered orbit shortly before this message arrives. When, or if, you retrieve the box that is addressed to you, you will know how to open it. Please keep in mind that this is meant to be a token of how much I care for you. I had it custom made since it's not something that we can wear here. I used a number of reference photos and vids to get the sizing right. We don't have anything like Black Diamond here, but I think I found a good approximation. I hope you like it. May the waves guide us. Jason, 32. to come 
You've been listening to an episode of Binary Saga. The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. The part of Jason is played by Steve Petricelli. Music by Eric Matias and soundimage.org. And a special thanks to Sky Studios and Miriam Kumar for the production of Breathe. Thank you to our Patreon members, Rob and Mary Carnahan. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website, or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with at the Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? You can join us on Discord for general chat. Find all of these links and more information on BinarySaga.com. You can also read the print version of the entire first and second season on Kindle or paperback on Amazon. Print versions include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga.